What's up, citizens? How we doing? Oh, come on. Let's try it again. How we doing tonight, citizens? Whoa! You guys are sleepy, sleepy. I need you to wake up and act like it's summertime, because it is, only for a little bit longer. <gasps> I talked to someone today, and I was like, how's it going? And they're like, great. I go to school on Monday. I'm like, what? Huh? I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know what school you go to, but I'm really sad. Hey, hi, hi. I'm sorry that it's on Monday, but hey, welcome to Citizens. If it's your first time here tonight, welcome. My name's Noah. I have uh, the privilege of helping lead the ministry here. Super glad you joined us tonight. We're a community of students learning to live for Jesus, and uh, we learn from a, a number of different ways. We learn from other people. We learn from our own mistakes. We learn from the Holy Spirit, um, but the best and most clearest way we can learn from God directly is through His Word uh, proclaimed to us. And so open up your Bibles right now to uh, Psalm 4, Psalm chapter 4, or Psalm 4. Um, one time I made this big art project and I individually like labeled all the Psalms and it was like Psalms one, Psalms two, Psalms three. And it was really embarrassing when someone had to remind me that that isn't actually what you call the individual ones. And I had to change my project. Everyone's like, oh, so sorry. That sucks. Anyways, you guys are very studious. You're already flipped there. We are starting a brand new series tonight called peace. Super simple. It's called peace. And a lot of times people associate the summertime with like a little bit of peace, a little bit of quiet, a little bit of rest, a little bit of time for yourself, a little bit of time to recharge, all right? So people would often say, all right, go get some peace this summer, go get some rest this summer, go get some relaxation this summer. But for many of us in the room, peace is kind of hard to come by. Uh, peace is kind of difficult to come by in our day and age, especially when we're young people. And uh, you know, as well as I do, uh, that some of our issues that we face during the school year don't just stop during summer vacation, right? So like uh, you may be wrestling with some sort of conflict in your life right now, and it doesn't necessarily take a break for the summer. Uh, I don't know about you, but like for some reason, summertime as I got older and older seemed to be just as crazy and just as busy as the school year. And that's because often this idea, this mentality of like hustle culture, like accomplish more, do the best you can, this very American thing that we're kind of stuck with in our brains, uh, just kind of continues. And the idea of rest, the idea of peace, the idea of uh, safety, the idea of just uh, being in the presence of God is often lost on us. So we wanted to take some time over the next four weeks to look at what the Bible says about peace. To look at what the Bible says about uh, being with God. To look at what the Bible says about having rest from God alone. What do you picture when you think of peace? Think of a nice beach with some palm trees in the background, maybe? What do you think of when you think of peace? Everyone wants peace, but not everybody knows how to get peace. Everyone wants things to be all right in their life, but not everybody knows how to make them right. Everybody wants to be in perfect unison with the people around them and with God and with themselves and with their emotions, but not everyone knows how to find peace. But make no mistake that the, the Bible and Jesus himself reveals to us uh, how to achieve ultimate peace between God and man through Jesus himself, and also how to experience daily peace with Jesus. To have true peace, you must know Jesus. To have true rest, to have true joy, you need to have Jesus. He offers that to all of the people in the room who are tired, all the people in the room who are lonely, 
lonely, all the people who are confused, all the people who are exhausted, Jesus offers us peace. Peace can last all throughout the year. Peace can last all throughout your entire life if you know the embodiment of peace. Jesus is the answer. And so we're going to look at Psalm 4 today. And I want to do this. I want to read this uh, all verses 1 through 8 together right now, and then I'm going to pray for us. Does that sound good? I love it. Read along with me. It says this. Verse 1 says, Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. There is a peace that you and I have access to, and his name is Jesus. And this passage is looking forward to the the Savior, the Messiah, and of course recognizing Yahweh as the one true uh, ultimate being that brings his people peace when they follow after him. So God, be with us tonight. As we look into this word, I pray that you would uh, show all of us what peace looks like, uh, how we can have peace with you, and uh, how we can experience this peace. For the person in the room uh, who just kind of wants to give up, they're not interested in listening to your word anymore, they're not uh, interested in this Christian life anymore, just be with them, uh, remind them that you are not an angry God, you are not a vindictive or evil God, but you are a gracious God who gives uh, peace. And so help us uh, to learn more about this uh, through your word. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, the first part, verses one and two, we see an honest cry to God. It says, answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Verses one and two, we see a call to God. I really like verse one because it's pretty bold. This is pretty awesome. It says, answer me when I call. Whoa, pretty awesome. So here's, maybe if you've been in this situation before, you can um, feel the way I've felt. How many of you are like learning to drive? You're like, I'm learning to, I've been, okay. All right, come on. You're like in driver's ed, you're about to be a few of us. Now, how many of you drive? You're like, I have my license. Yes, terrifying. I love it. Terrifying. Okay, so... (laughs) I remember very distinctly when I was first able to drive, it was like this whole new world was awakened. It's like I can like drive to Taco Bell with my friends and then I can drive home and then my stomach will hurt later from Taco Bell. But it's cool because I get to drive now and I'm super awesome, all right? And uh, that feeling lasts um, a little bit of time. So enjoy that feeling of freedom because eventually you're like, I've got to drive to get food and then pay for gas. And then you're like a grumpy old man. Um, But anyway, there's this kind of freedom that comes with like being able to drive. And uh, what I do remember very specifically about this season was my mom. So I'm the oldest uh, out of my siblings. And my mom was very clear that when I was to drive, especially if it was at night, I just had to let her know when I got to the place I was supposed to be. 
All right, many of you know where this is going. I remember one time specifically, I went to the movies with my friends, and we had a dollar movie theater where I I grew up in Virginia, and um, this was like the place to be. So there was a dollar store and then a dollar movie theater. So you could have a great time for like two or three dollars. Like I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a soda, which, okay, you're not supposed to sneak it in, but let's just say I spent three or four dollars, not just one on the movie. Okay, some of us snuck certain things in. Anyways, I remember very specifically, we're going out to this uh, movie theater with my friends, and I uh, was running a little bit late, so I like, I just like run in, get the stuff, go to the movie theater, and you're supposed to put your phone on silent. It's just what you're supposed to do. So I decided to do that, and I forgot to let my parents know I had made it safely. So then the whole two-hour movie goes by, and something very terrified happened, like happened right afterwards. I looked at my phone, and it was like eight missed calls five texts. It's like, mom, dad. I'm like, oh no, what did I do? What did I do? And I I just completely forgot to call them. And so I was like, okay, I'm alive, which is great. And I just have to let them know. And they're going to be mad, but they're going to be happy I'm alive. And so I remember that call very specifically. And my mom was like, when I call you, you're supposed to answer. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she's like, I'm glad you're alive. But has anyone had something like that? You forgot to tell your mom where you are, and you're like, the wrath that is going to befall upon me. And she had every right in that moment to be like, when I call you, you need to listen to me and pick up. Like, you need to pick up the phone. I pay for your phone. I pay for the car, all this stuff. And absolutely, that is true. And I like the beginning of this psalm. It's very honest. It says, answer me when I call. But that's not God talking to us. This is the psalmist David talking to God. There's a specific boldness that comes with talking with God that David has here. And he is boldly professing his faith and trust in God when he directly addresses him like this. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Now, of course, he isn't uh, commanding God to do something. God's sovereign. He's going to do what he wills. Um, He's not demanding God to listen to him. He's not demanding God to do anything specifically, but he is telling him, uh, God, listen to me when I call out to you. Listen to me when I cry. This is a bold connection with God. The language here is revealing confidence and dependence on a God who is willing and ready to listen. Boldness and confidence in somebody who completely is trusting in God's, God's uh, direction and righteousness for them. Look at this in verse one, it says, you have given me relief when I was in distress. How many of you remember a time where God was there for you? And you're like, hopefully you can think of a billion times, but God is there for us when we need him. Uh, God is always present in our lives. God is always near to the brokenhearted and the joyful alike. And God is willing and ready to listen. And the bold cry of David here is, listen to me. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Do you approach God and do you remember all the things that he has done for you? Or do you just try and go in and ask all the things that he could do for you in the future? Because that would completely change your prayer life if you walked into prayer especially in seasons and moments of need where you remembered all the things that have already happened, probably a bunch of things that you already forgot about. Instead of just saying, God, here's what I want. Here's what I'd really enjoy right now. And of course, the, the, the plea is here and God's going to hear it. But this is what he says. God, listen to me 
For I know who you are. I know what you're like. I know the things that you have done for me in the past. This is a cry out to God in a moment of need. Why does David say this? Because he remembers and knows from experience who God is. He has uh, the account and the memory of ways that God has rescued him and his people in the past. It's probably good to get into a little bit of context here. I forgot to highlight that. But many scholars believe that this is a very specific point in Israel's history where there's a drought. And in this society, if there's no water, there's no food. And if there's no food, you're dead, which is very bad. And so there's a drought and there's this literal need for rain that only God can provide. There's a need for rain and God and David is crying out to God. He says, God, answer me when I call. You have given me relief when I was in distress. He is talking about years past. He is talking about a million things that he has been delivered from. And my question to you is, where do you go when you're in distress? Where do you go when you're in trouble? Are you willing to remember all of the things God has already done for you and address him like the God he is and the character that he has? Or are you tempted to think like, God, I I know you helped me out of this thing before, but I don't know about this. God, I know you saved me from the eternal consequences of sin and death, but like, I'm really nervous about this thing that's happening in my life. What do you do in distress? Do you cry to God? Is God like on a part of like, do you have like a to-do list of what, like when I'm stressed, maybe I'll go to this person. Maybe I'll try and talk to that person. Maybe I'll do this thing. Oh yeah, maybe I'll try and pray. And may, I don't know, maybe I'll try to read the Bible. What do you do when you need peace? When there are problems, when there's difficulty, when there is pain, when there is only something that God can do for you, where do you run to? And David boldly professes, answer me when I call God, you've given me relief when I was in distress. How would your prayer life change if we approach God like that? With confidence and a memory more than five seconds long that remembers what God's done for you before. God's character is consistent all throughout time and history in your life and for thousands of years. God's character is the same. It's in his nature to deliver. It's in his nature to give peace. Remember where God has been there for you in the past and approach God with confidence to know that he can deliver you from whatever you're facing right now. God, you've delivered me from so much and I will trust that you are the only deliverer that I had. The language here, confidence and dependence upon God. Sometimes I'm tempted to think of God and picture him and know that he's completely sovereign and completely righteous. Both those things are true. But sometimes I equate those two things and I think that, well, God just might be indifferent to what I'm feeling. Because if God's holy and he's righteous and he's sovereign and he sees everything exists outside of time, why would he care about what I'm going through? And that's a temptation that I face oftentimes. And many times I feel like we can feel the same way. But that's not God's character. Because God is infinite, he has has all the time in the world for every single person in the room. If I tried to talk to everyone in the room for five minutes, I'd be here for a long time. But God listens to every single one of us because he is holy. He exists outside of time. If every single person in this room started praying at the same time, God would hear every single one of them. God has an unlimited amount of time for you. God cares about you. It's in his character to give you peace and to deliver you from things that might be weighing you down and ultimately delivering you from sin. It's in his character to do these things. 
Just because God is holy and righteous and sovereign doesn't mean he doesn't care about you as a person. The way he's made you, the circumstances he's allowed in your life. God cares for you. And you and I get to cry out to him in distress. Look at what it says here. At the end of verse one, this beautiful verse, it says, be gracious to me and hear my prayers. Graciousness, God alone listening to us is gracious. God alone being able to just hear our voice is very gracious of him. But God listening and answering our prayers is beyond blessing in our lives. So why wouldn't you run to him when you need peace? Why wouldn't you draw near to him when you need comfort? Why wouldn't you draw near to him in the time of distress? He is there and ready and willing to listen to you. As we see modeled here, David, a cry out to God. A cry out to God. Are you calling to him for help? Do you believe that he can offer you help? Are you tempted to think of things that you probably can do before and if things get really desperate, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll try the God thing. Not so here. Verse two, oh men, how long shall you, uh, my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? The people of Israel are tempted to go after idols and false gods in panic. All right, moments of distress and moments of panic often reveal where our true affections are in that moment. People's true colors come out when things are really difficult. And the people of Israel, of course, as they do many times, are like, things are going well. Maybe we'll turn to these gods or the, the gods over there for those people seem to be doing super cool stuff for them or these gods over here. And, and, and David is rebuke, calling out to God and rebuking in verses one and two. He says, how long shall my honor or the honor of the people of Israel be put to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? He is saying there's only one true source of peace. There is only one deliverer, and it does not belong anywhere else other than God, Yahweh, the person of Jesus. Look at what it says in verses three and four. It says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. That's a verse that you should have memorized. That's a verse that you should write on the back of your eyelids. The Lord hears you when you call to him. The Lord hears you when you call to him. Verse four, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So we see David crying out a cry to God. And now we see a call to trust. Now we see a call to trust and he is uh, invoking this imagery here of a God who delivers and he's saying, this is the God that hears us, but this is the God that we need to put our faith and trust in, in this moment of time. God's a really great multitasker. God can listen, like I said, to every single person in this room. You can spend all day with God. He's not going to get bored of you. He's not going to like be like, I got other things to do here, man. Like God is infinite exists outside of time in a holy and a miraculous and unexplainable way, but he is there and available and ready to listen to you, and he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. He himself is truth, so you can trust him. You can put your faith and trust in him. Trust in God leads us to peace. Trust in God leads us to peace. It says here, 
in verse four, it says, be angry, do not sin, ponder in your own hearts and your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. A key moment on your pathway to true peace is, uh, is trust. Trust is a necessary moment on your pathway to peace. You will not experience true peace if you do not trust wholly and completely in God alone for your salvation and your deliverance, not just from sin and the consequences of sin, but on a daily basis. That's what God offers us. And David is crying out. He says, turn. He says, offer right sacrifices, a.k.a. uh, don't sacrifice any false gods. Don't run to any false gods, but put your trust in the Lord, the one who's delivered us from Egypt, the one who's delivered us from slavery, the one who has delivered us for all of these years. Put your trust in the Lord. And the people of Israel need to be reminded of it. And you and I need to be reminded of it. True. Trust in the Lord is necessary to receive the peace that that comes from the Lord. Many people want peace from Jesus. Many people want the peace that God offers, but they're not willing to put their trust in Jesus. They're not willing to put their trust in God. And we are so willing and so ready to put our trust in so many little things that are not going to satisfy us and are not going to bring us joy. Do you trust in God? He's a crying out to God. And now he is calling us to put our trust in God. Don't turn to anything else but turn to the Lord. Look at what verse four says. I thought this was really cool. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. I feel like a lot of times anger is the result of us thinking that we're completely in control of our lives, right? If something goes wrong in my life, I can feel angry pretty quickly, but that often reveals a heart that I think my life is up to me. I think that the good things that happen to me are up to me and the bad things that happen are just complete mistakes. And I am often putting myself on the throne of my own life and it's revealed in moments of anger. And I think that happens to lots of people in this room. If God is on the throne of your life and you trust in him entirely and completely, you and I can release the anger that we feel so often when things go wrong. It says you can be angry. It says be angry and do not sin. You see, the trials and the circumstances that God brings before us are often to refine us and to bring us closer to God, not closer to sin. There's a very real decision that you and I have to make in moments of distress. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to follow after God? Am I going to believe and trust that he is the only one that can bring me satisfaction? Or am I going to get angry? And Am I going to try and take the reins of my own life back? The things that you and I face are tests, moments in time where we get to choose who is on the throne of my heart right now. Is it God or is it me? Is it someone else? Things we do when we're frustrated or angry. Uh, Number one, we have to fix it. I just have to fix it. There's a problem at at, at school. There's a problem with this friend. There's a problem with whatever. Uh, I just got to fix it. And if I don't fix it, I'm going to be really angry. Something's wrong in our anger and our frustration, and I know who wronged me. You know what? I'm going to punish the guilty. Someone said something about me. Someone did something wrong. I'm going to punish them. I'm either not going to talk to them. I'm going to yell at them. I'm going to unleash whatever anger I have on them. Or here's another thing that happened. Something wrong has happened. I'm just going to like, nope, no, it didn't. Pretend like that didn't happen. And God doesn't lead us to any of those things. It says, uh, it says here, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts 
on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. This is a call away from anger and a call away from control and a call to trust in God. The true solution, be silent, ponder, call to God, trust him, and we'll see in this passage where that leads us. You can't trust in yourself. You can't trust in your own skills, ability. You don't have what it takes to be the God of your own life. You're not the judge. You're not the king of kings. You're not sovereign. You're not the mastermind planner. You are going to be anxious when you put your trust in yourself. You're going to be angry and sin when you think that your trust and your life comes from your trust in yourself. But when we put our trust in God, when you put your trust in the immovable, unchangeable character of God and call to him in distress, that is when we will begin to experience the peace of God that only he can offer. Only God can offer us true peace. Only God can offer us true comfort and true satisfaction. Verse 5 says, offer the right sacrifices so many times. We're tempted to say, I want peace. I want God. I want to be completely cool in my life. I don't want any conflict. I want all the awesome things from God. But I also want some of the things that the world says is going to get me true peace. And we can't have both, right? You can't hold both of these things in your hand. You can only trust in the Lord. It says, offer the right sacrifices. Wow. We don't sacrifice the false gods uh, today, literally on an altar. But we are very, very willing to have hearts that go astray, to latch on to many false gods, many false loves that we see in this world. And you can never find true peace from a pill, a bottle, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a job, a bank account, or a place. You can only find peace from God. And he gives that to you willingly and freely if you trust in him. If you call to him in times of distress and trust that he has delivered and he will deliver, that is when we will experience what verses six through eight talk about. It says this. There are many who say, who will show us some good translation? Uh, when are we going to get good things? Uh, when can we be away from this pain? When can we be out of this drought? Who will give us, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O oh Lord. What a crazy, amazing prayer. What a powerful prayer. Lift up the light of your face. God, turn to me. Show me who you are. Remind me who you are. Help me in this situation. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, there's that word we've been talking about and we'll be talking about for weeks. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In these final verses, we see the promise of peace. In the world that says, I know how you can chill out a little bit. I know, I know how you can just deal with this suffering. I know how you can get through this. God promises us this when we follow after him. This is a promise from God. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In the world that's anxious, running, working, anxiously doing all these things, the Bible has an image of someone falling asleep in the presence of God. 
How beautiful is that? The final words, the psalmist reminds us that the true joy and rest that we all crave comes from trust in God. There's a peace that is so sure and so true that the writer can fall asleep safely and understand that God is the one holding them near. God is the one holding them close. Verse six talks about casting out the false gods and the temporary satisfaction and joy. Uh, There will be sin that looks satisfying temporarily. There will be people in your life who seem to be doing pretty all right, and they seem to be doing a bunch of things that God says is not right, but they seem to be all right. They seem to be popular. They seem to be happy, but it won't last. What the psalmist is inviting us into is everlasting and complete and total peace that causes causes us to lie down and sleep in the presence of God who keeps us safe from these things that are here to steal our joy. When we're under the protection of God, when we're in community with God on a regular basis, God protects us. He keeps you safe. He dwells with you. He dwells in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He protects us and keeps us from things that would bring us death, that would bring us burdens, that would bring us anxiety, that the world says, no, no, this is going to be good for you. I promise. True peace is a promise from God. I love this verse. This has got to be one of my favorite verses I've read in a very long time. So six, it says, some people, uh, who's going to show us some good? Turning to all these false things. Turning to all these things that won't satisfy. You have put more joy in my heart, God, than they have when their grain and wine abound. These people are looking for temporary things to satisfy them. They are looking to be blessed by whatever God they can find because they want the thing. They want the food. They want the water. They want to be separated from the thing that is causing them pain. But this verse says that the Lord brings us more joy than when the sinners, when the people who are running after lie, get what they think they want. There is more significant joy that comes from the person who actually knows God and is connected to him. You bring me more joy in my heart. What a beautiful verse. I have more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Even though it looks like everything's going okay for the sinner, God, I know I have more joy. I have more joy. There is more joy. You are joy, God, because I know you. I'm connected with you. I, I am with you in prayer and with you in your word. And I have a longer lasting, more significant, true joy that exists than when the people who run after idols get what they think they want. You will get what you think you want for a season when you run after sin, but you will not have joy and you will not have peace ever. But when you have God, when you know him, when you run to him, that lasting peace will be there for eternity. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound in peace. I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The true God, Yahweh, he gives us true sustaining joy even when our circumstances are painful. So even in the middle of this, all right, the drought's not over. The drought's not over. The wicked may look like they're prospering. 
And there's going to be moments in life where like I, I, I've been praying for weeks and I still feel like I'm in this difficult spot. The long lasting eternal life that we have right now in Jesus will bring you true joy no matter what you're seeing around you. No matter who says they have what, no matter what they say, uh, how, how good their life looks like it's going from the outsider's perspective, you and I have true peace and true joy that is only accessible through Jesus Christ and it will last us through the drought and through the rain. It will last us through the drought, through the pain, through the hills, through the valleys. God will be there with you if you have turned to him, if you know him, if you've cried out to him and trusted in him. And of course, these people are looking for a savior. They're looking for a Messiah and we already have one. We look back in time and we see who Jesus is and that is where true joy comes from. In a world that wants to sell you a million things in order to say, this is how you can have peace and joy. This is a promise from God. And all it's gonna cost you is everything. All it's gonna cost you is your entire life, but it is worth it because, oh Lord, you alone make me dwell in safety. When I become a Christian, I don't get everything that I ever want, but I become, when I become a Christian, I now have forever what I really need. That is what you can say as a Christian. When I become a Christian, when I start following after Jesus, I don't have everything I think that I want, but you will forever have everything that you really need. That's the promise of Christianity. That's the promise of the Jesus who brings us to still waters. That's the promise of Jesus who says, I'm the bread of life. That's the uh, promise of Jesus who says he's the light of the world. I don't have everything I think I want. I'm actually going to lose a lot of things that I thought I wanted. But I have now and forever everything that I need. Peace with God through the person of Jesus Christ. It says in Colossians 1, this word peace, he has made peace through the blood of his cross. It's a promise that you and I have now. We no longer have to be separated from God. We no longer have to look to the world or false idols or sin to, to, to try and find some momentary satisfaction. We have a forever relationship with God, no matter what we have in the palm of our hands. We have the person, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And that's true peace. That's true joy. Look at these promises. I have put more joy. You have put more joy in my heart than you have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone make me dwell in safety. Safety, peace, joy, abundance. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of God that doesn't exist in the world because the world cannot give us anything that will satisfy us. Do you have that joy and do you have that peace? And I'm going to tell, tell you this over the course of the next four weeks. It is only found, it's not in a place, it's not in a boyfriend, it's not in a girlfriend, it's not in a temporary high, a temporary satisfaction. It is found in the person of Jesus Christ. There's an amazing hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. And it's a really, really amazing hymn. I know you're like, hymn? That sounds super old. I don't know. It, it is an old uh, hymn, but it's, it's beautiful. By a man named uh, Horatio Safford. And he wrote these lines. It says, it is well with my soul when a peace like a river attendeth my way. Throughout all things I know I can say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And this guy wrote this song. After this happens, he sends his wife and four children 
uh, back to Europe where they're originally from. He was living actually in Chicago at the time. And he sends his wife and his children away for a trip. And the ship crashes and only his wife survives. He loses all four of his daughters. And somehow, months and months and months later, he says those words. A song that echoes throughout church history now. When peace like a river attendeth my way throughout all life's circumstances, I know I can say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It may not be well with the things you see around you. It may not be well with your bank account. It may not be well with your friends. It may not be well with anything else, but it will be well with your soul when you have Jesus. When I become a Christian, when I follow after Jesus, I don't have everything I think I need. I don't have all the things I think I want, but I will have everything that I need. Let's pray together. God, thanks for this uh, time in your word. I pray that you would continue to um, refine our hearts, um, help us to listen closely to your word, help us to dwell closely with you on a daily basis. God, I pray that when we're tempted to look to uh, things around us that we think are going to bring us significance, I pray that you would bring these words to mind, that we have more joy in our hearts than when the enemy seems to succeed or when sinners seem to get what they want or when uh, I think that I want this thing from, from this thing that is sinful. God, help us to remember that you bring us true joy and peace and safety in your presence. We're free from the consequences of sin and guilt and shame. That is something to rejoice about. We are free from the separation from you and we can dwell safely with you forever. So help the person in this room who's looking for peace right now uh, to understand and to find that in you. All we want and all we need is found in you, God. Help that be true in our lives. Help us to see that that's true. Help us to believe that. Help us to cry out to you when we need you. Help us to trust in you when we need to trust you and help us to remember uh, the joy and the safety that comes with dwelling with you. We love you. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we sing together in moments like this, even when things don't seem great, even when things aren't awesome, uh, we can remember what God has done for us in the past and we can sing to him right now, currently, in your current circumstance and knowing uh, that he is uh, delivering you now and he has delivered you. And so let's sing this next song in confidence.